Oh, come on now. And we're going to, throughout this teaching series that we're launching today called Foundations for the Valley, we're going to hear more stories like that. But we're so grateful for them sharing their story and really building on the foundation that is found in Jesus. And really, this title, Foundations for the Valley, is built around where we're going. You've maybe heard this phrase before, Foundations for the Valley, but this is about our future. And so one of the things I want to encourage you to do, if you have not done it yet, I'm giving you permission to pull out your phone right now in the gathering as I'm starting my sermon and to go to our website, riverbendonline.org slash for the valley, because we want to make sure you have your questions answered. We want to make sure you have a space to even bring thoughts that you may have around where we're going. We, want to, we just want to create space for that to take place. And so this site is going to constantly be updated. It's going to allow you to get a sense, a picture of where we're going when it comes to this campaign. But really my heart in this teaching series is to get the heart behind what it is that God is calling us to. And this title, Foundations for the Valley, you may be a little confused because we have a children's ministry called Foundations, right? And Foundations in this context does speak to the next generation. It does speak to our heart and our desire for the next generation, those who are at foundations, those who are our middle school and high school students, those who are college students, those who are young adults. We are thinking about the next generation. I'm thinking about my son, Ray, as I'm thinking about the foundation that we're laying that's built on Jesus, who is our ultimate foundation, by the way. Amen? Yeah, Jesus is the one that we're building our lives on. And for the valley really speaks about being a church that's for one another and really serving one another, pointing each other towards Jesus and all that he has for us, but also looking how we can enhance that, how we can get better at that, and then how we can better serve our local community here in the valley. Because a facility just facilitates the mission and the vision that God has for his church. The end goal is not the facility, it's what it facilitates. Do you follow that? The end goal of us thinking about what our future home's going to be, because we're going to hear this in just a minute, our lease is coming to an end in 2025, and so we're preparing for our future home. But again, the facility just facilitates the mission and the vision that God has for us. So as we think about where we're going, this teaching series is going to help us to do that. We're going to actually journey with some people who had a crossroads of their own. And we're going to see how they handled that crossroads and what that does as far as teaching us how we go about approaching the future that God has for us. But one of the ways that we step into our future is to remember where we've come from. How has God been faithful in the past? Because when we remember his faithfulness in the past, it gives us courage to follow him in the future. When we remember his faithfulness in the past, it gives us courage to follow him in the future. So I want to give you a couple dates, a bit of a history lesson. So here's the first, first year that I'm going to give you, 2008. 2008. And some of you may know what that means and signifies, but I'm going to tell you, for us, it was the beginning of form, forming what Riverbend Community Church would go on to be. But it's also that time where the economy crashed. The housing market 
crash. It's during that time that I, which part of my role is to, to, to start partnerships, to help resource the mission that God has for us. And I remember going to people and realizing as I'm in conversations that right now for them, this is the worst time to ask, to give, to be a part. They didn't have it. Many of them lost their jobs, lost their homes. Many, many people in America at that point in time. And then there was a global collapse as well. And so you would think that in the midst of that, that somehow we wouldn't be able to make it but God, right? But God. And so here's the next date that I want to give to you. And the next thing that happened along that date, which is called Sponsor a Sunday. And so what we did is as I was praying through and our team was praying about what do you do in the midst of a global collapse, how do you get people to join you in something when they don't have anything to give? And the Lord gave us this vision of Sponsor a Sunday. And so instead of asking for a lot on the front, and we just said, hey, could you contribute towards sponsoring one Sunday a month where we're going to end up meeting? And we used to meet at the Four Point Sheraton, which is now the Days Inn on Airport Road. And by the time we got to weekly gatherings, every single Sunday was sponsored. Every single Sunday was sponsored, which brings me to the next part of this. Our first gathering at the Days Inn, which was Four Point Sheraton, September 13th, 2009, where we started to go weekly gatherings. And again, every Sunday was covered for a whole year. God showed up and showed off. This is what God did. And as we were in that space and in that time, it became clear that we needed to look for a new home. And I had a church planning coach say to me, there's a God story why you've ended up in this hotel and how God's provided, but it's time to look for your next home. But at that point in time, the church was about a year and a half old. And for us to look for another home in 2011, and the idea of moving away from being a portable church seemed very daunting to me because it's really uncommon. I, I, if you didn't un grow up with church plant, you don't understand this, so I'm going to try to help you understand it. But a church plant that has their own space that they have 24-7 access to is a rarity. Usually it takes a decade or more for them to get to that point. But God in his grace and goodness allowed us to get this facility, which leads us to the next slide here, which was sponsor a seat. Because how are we going to pay for this? Because again, uncommon, God's opening a door. And so we had people sponsor seats, and then all the seats, 200 of them, were sponsored. And that included costs to do improvements throughout the space. Many of the seats that you're sitting on today were part of that. All these black chairs over here, not the folding ones, they were part of sponsor a seat. Again, God showed up. And here was our first gathering in this space, March 27th, 2011. I want to show you some pictures of that first gathering right in this space. This is what it looked like. We used to have the stage this way. Don't know why we did it that way, but we did. And eventually we made some shifts, right? But this is what it looked like back then. And, and this was like the week before Easter. And here's some other, uh, other photos as well that are the kids' faces. And, and so much has changed within this space in that whole time span. But again, I want you to see how God's been faithful in the past because the facility just facilitated 
the mission and the vision that God had for his church. And then I want to give you another date, March 2020. Does anybody know what that is? Pandemic! Pandemic. So we have an economic recession that happened in 2008, uh, housing collapse. And then we have a pandemic. And in that time, we saw God again sustain, strengthen, lead us through that. God has been kind to us in that. And then here's another one for you. And it's 2023. And whatever you want to call this, depending on who you talk to in the world of economics, you, they don't necessarily use, like to use the word recession, inflation, especially for a lot of people. Depending on who you're talking to, they would say, man, things have gotten more expensive. You know, the economics are a real challenge for some. I have conversations with people who say, this is a difficult time for us. And it's not because that they can't make it, but it's just the margins have thinned, right? The margins are getting thinner. So whatever you want to call it, and yet in the midst of it, God is still sustaining us, which brings us to the next day, May 3rd, 2025. May 31st, 2025. I said May 3rd, but May 31st, 2025. I want to make sure you're here with me. This is when this lease in this space ends. And the landlords just made it clear very kindly, very honestly, very authentically with us. And so what this does is puts us in a position to say, hey, we want to be in faith seeing what God has for us, but we want to be prudent. And so that's why I keep letting you know about what's going on and, and telling you about the website because we want to make sure we as a church steward this moment wisely together. We want to take this journey together. And again, what we are going to be talking about in this series is really a time in the life of the nation of Israel where they left Egypt and they had a crossroads. And the crossroads for them was to enter into the land where God had for them to go, to their new home. And a lot of people call it the promised land, the promised land. And, and, and for us, I think for when we think about that terminology, we may not think that where we're going next is going to flow with milk and honey, right? That, that may not be our case. But God does have a new and next thing for his church, our church specifically, that belongs to Jesus. And so here's a question is, do you want to go to the promised land, the promised land that God has for us, for us as a church? Do we want to go where God's asking us to go? Do you want to go to that place? And here's the next part of that. You won't go if you aren't willing to grow. You won't go if you aren't willing to grow. Because here is the truth. No one likes change. No one. Unless it's change that you're making that you want to make. No one likes it. No one likes change. No one likes it. Everybody, when they hear and think about change and growing, they respond differently. There's a desire to control process. There's a desire to control outcomes. There's a desire to control stability, what I know and what I can see and what I can hold. And hey, listen, that are, are, those are very normal responses. I have my own responses as well. Even as I'm the guy that's like, hey, let's charge the hill. I know even in me, I have to be careful not to try to control but rather to say, I want you to lead me. I want to go where you're going, and I know I can't go there unless I'm willing to grow. If I'm unwilling to give you access, if I'm stubborn in heart and mind, I cannot join you to what it is that you have for us and what you have for me specifically. 
So what I want to do is I want to take us through a particular passage in the book of Numbers. All right, and if in case you're like, what is it? There's a book in the Bible called Numbers? There is. So for all of our financial people who love Numbers, this book is for you, right? But Numbers is found in the Old Testament, and it chronicles a bit of the history of the nation of Israel. And we're specifically going to be in Numbers chapter 13. So verses are going to be on the screen. And as we go through this, we're going to take a couple weeks journeying through Numbers 13. And so today I want to set the stage to what's going on here in Numbers 13. And then we're going to see responses and how, how they responded to what they saw and what happens to the nation of Israel as a result of their response and, and what that says to us and, and the significance that it plays in our lives as well. So this is Numbers, Numbers 13, starting in verse 1. We're going to hear this Again, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, who was the leader leading the nation of Israel. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So again, there's this clear communication to God, to Moses, and he gives this instructions. He says, send some men. But what kind of men did he say? What kind of men? Leaders. One from each tribe. And there's 12 tribes. I don't want you to miss this. So there's 12 leaders that are going to go out. 12 leaders. One that represents each of the tribes of Israel. And this is going to be key even as we think about what we hear from them as they go on to explore as we continue in this series. And then it goes on to say this. When Moses sent them to explore Canaan, he said, Go up through the Negev and on into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether the people who live there are strong or weak, few or many. So what does he say to, to look for? What, what, what are some of the things he says? To help me out. What does he say to look, look at? The land. And what are they? they? They are what? Strong or weak? Few or what? Right? So again, great things to be able to assess what's happening. Right? They're, they're assessing what's going on. And then it goes on to say this. What kind of land do they live in? Is it good or bad? Great question. Is it good? Is it bad? What kind of towns do they live in? Are they unwalled or fortified? How is the soil? Is it fertile or poor? Are there trees in it or not? Do your best to bring back some of the fruit of the land. It was the season for the first ripe grapes. So again, I want you to hear this. There's these questions that are being asked. But one of the things that's really interesting when you go to verse 20, and I want you to notice this is from the NIV that we're reading from. But if you go to the, the English Standard Bible, the Christ, Christian Standard Bible, if you go to uh, the New American Standard Bible, there's a phrase that's used before it gets to the verse 20. It's uh, the, the, basically, if I could summarize it, it's be courageous. Go in good courage. And to be courageous means to do something that you're afraid to do. To be of good courage isn't the absence of fear or knowing all the information. It's that in the midst of it, I'm still going to go. 
I'm still going to do what I need to do. Like this morning, I have a good friend who's a mentor of mine. He's doing something that's really courageous. He's, he's bringing something to the light that is really, really uh, scary and shameful, but he's doing it in courage because he's following what Christ has for him. He's going where Christ is asking him to go and following the call that God has on his life. And when we have the courage to follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that we don't do it scared. It means that we look at Christ who's greater than our fear. It means I'm going to join Jesus to what he has for us. It's, it's when my, my son Ray says to me, I'm nervous to do this. I'm afraid, but he really wants to do it. And, and he does, he kind of like psychs him up, himself up. He's like walking around like this. I'm afraid, but I want to. I'm, afraid. I'm like, hey, it's okay. You don't have to. No, no, no. I want to do it. <laughs> you know, he's like really psyching himself up, right? And then he finally does it, and he's like, oh, I'm so glad I did it. But the courage to do it and the feeling that we want won't happen or won't come until we go and until we do the thing that God is calling us to. If we're waiting for the circumstances to be perfect, if we're waiting for all the information to be delivered, if we're waiting for all our facts to be in a row before we move, we'll never move and we'll never go. And that doesn't mean we don't need to get facts. That doesn't mean we don't need to ask questions. Clearly, Moses said, ask questions, right? Like, that, that's not what I'm saying, and that's not what the heart of that is. But there is a time in our lives where we have to get to the point where we say, Jesus, I'm giving you my yes, no matter what it is that you're asking of me. And so as we continue here, I want us to just understand this, that good questions help us not to deny reality, but to define it. Good questions help us not to deny reality, but to define it. So we don't want to deny reality. We want to come with good questions that allow us to be curious and kind and tactful, to be one that says, hey, I don't fully understand, but I'm willing to ask the question to help me to get to the answer. Again, good questions they help us to define reality. So what kind of questions are you asking? What kind of questions are you asking that are helping you to determine what it is that God is saying of you and for you in this season of life that you find yourself in? What is it that, what kind of questions are you asking with regards to what he's taken our church to? Because we want to get to those questions. We want to ask those questions. We don't want to deny reality. We want to define reality. Because he's the one that we're ultimately looking at, right? And he's the one that gives us the courage to join him. So we don't even have to run away from reality. Because he is the one that sets reality. He is the one that is real. He is the one that is full of wisdom and truth and prudence. He is the one. Jesus He's the one. So again, we don't have to pretend it's one way when we have questions, but let's get to the point of asking before the Lord and before others these questions that may rise within us. Because questions then help us to unlock, why am I so anxious? Why am I so afraid? Why am I so angry? Why am I so disappointed? Why am I so full of shame? Good questions allow us to unravel those things in our own mind and body as well. Good questions. So what kind of questions are you asking? I was in a meeting this week, and as I was in this meeting, I was asking questions, 
And it's part of the reason we, we got together is to meet to talk about all the things that God's doing here. But then as I was meeting with these people, they turned the table and started to ask me questions. Not questioning me, but questions about my life. Questions about Ray and what do you hope Ray grows? What, how do you want to see Ray grow this next school year? Questions of care and thoughtfulness. And I had it a couple times happen this week. And I'm reminded of the power of entering into space like that, that's sacred, and asking good questions. And when we ask good questions, it shows that we care. It allows us to exercise curiosity and kindness. It fuels our courage, actually, because we're bringing these things to the light. Well, we continue on here. It says this. It says, so they went up and explored the land. Good job. They did what Moses, the leader, who was instructed by God to do. They said, hey, go and explore the land. And so they explored the land. And so we're in a season of exploring, right? We're in a season of exploring. What is it that God has for us? Where would God have us to go as our future home? Where is it that he, and how is it that he's working? We're exploring right now. And so we're joining him in that. And so as we explore, there's a couple things I want to say to this. First is this, that as we explore, we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. As we explore, we are to keep our eyes on Jesus. So when we go about and we're looking and we're praying and we're in conversations and, and we're seeing what we're seeing, we want to have our eyes fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith, Jesus. We want to let him lead the way. This is his church, by the way. This isn't my church. <laughs> this isn't my thing. This is his thing. This is what he's done. So we want to keep our eyes on him because as we keep our eyes on him, it will feed our faith and give us the courage to follow the one that's calling us forward. We want to keep our eyes on Jesus. Again, not because we're running away from questions, but we're running to the source that has the answers to those questions. We're allowing others to come around us. So here's a question for you. Who or what do you have your eyes on? Who or what do you have your eyes on? You think about our future home and it's daunting, understandably so. Are you looking at what you can do? What I can do? What we can do? Or are we looking at what God can only do? We can't, but he can. He's always made a way. Isn't that the story that I just told you at the beginning of this sermon? He's always made a way. And if he's made a way then, why couldn't he make a way now? Why wouldn't he do it? Why wouldn't he? So what are your eyes on? Who do you have your eyes on? Yourself, someone else, someone's opinion, someone's thoughts. Who or what do you have your eyes on? Because if it's not Jesus, just a reminder, they're not the author and the perfecter of your faith. Only Jesus is. Through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. He's the one we're holding on to. He's the one that's leading the way. Well, it continues on as we go through this. And this is Numbers, again, 13, 23 through 24. It says this, When they reached the valley of Eskul, they cut off a branch bearing a single cluster of grapes. Two of them carried it on a pole between them along with some what? What's the word here? Pomegranates and figs. 
That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster of grapes that the Israelites cut off there. Clearly, as they were doing that, they were showing, hey, this is what the land has produced. And this word cluster is what Eshcol means. It means cluster. It means that this is a land that has a lot of fruit, a lot of grapes. There is stuff here. There's good stuff here. And so they are bringing it back. They're bringing it back. And again, we're going to continue to jump in this passage in the coming weeks, but I want you to see what they do. They explore. They bring back the evidence of what they saw there. You know, and, and for us, what's the evidence? How do we see, as we pointed out, God's faithfulness in the past? And there's so many things that we could talk about. But even now, in our future, I thought about the groups that are kicking off this week. Man, God's been so faithful to, for people to lead in that way. I think about the Lehigh women's basketball team, how God's working in their lives, right? There's evidence of God's activity, right? I see his, his work. I see how he's moving. We need to pay attention to his evidence. We need to call it out. We need to recall it again and again and again. Well, as we continue on here, it says this, at the end of 40 days, they returned from exploring the land. So there's 40 days that they explored the land. 40 days. 40 days. And this is a, a key time for them, but 40 days and years is a key part of biblical history and the way in which it helps people to engage in God. And that's why we're entering into a season of 40 days of prayer and fasting. 40 days to explore God and what he's doing. 40 days to see the evidence of God. 40 days to keep our eyes on Jesus and take them off ourselves. 40 days. There's power in that. So as we continue on here, here's a, a couple things I want to give to us. Because we, we'll get to how it all goes for them as we continue on. But when we fully surrender to Jesus, we are successful. We are already successful. And I want to just unpack this for a minute that doesn't mean we're successful in the standards of this world or in the eyes of this world. But like I said, whose eyes do we have our eyes fixed on? Is it us? Is it what the world says, the culture says? Or is it Jesus? Because he is the one that's the ultimate measure of who I want to be successful in his eyes. What he says, what he has for me. We're already successful when we say yes to him. And it doesn't mean it's going to look like success as we would define in our world terms, right? Jesus looked like he lost when he was crucified, but he was winning, amen? And we won as well because he was obeying what his Father in heaven had for him. And thankfully, it led to not only his death, but our forgiveness through his sacrifice and his burial. And then there was a resurrection that came. But I don't want you to get it confused because if we don't have this in our mind, then we're going to have a scorecard that says, I'm only successful if X, Y, and Z happens. But in the kingdom of God, success is always doing what he has for us, when he has it for us, and how he has for us to do it. Amen? Always, 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 always. So here's a question for you. Will you fully surrender to Jesus? Will you fully surrender? Will you surrender your time? Will you surrender your talents? Will you surrender your treasures? Will you surrender your relationships? 
Will you surrender your sexuality? Will you surrender your work? Will you surrender it all? Because he's worth it. He's for our flourishing and our thriving, in the flourishing and thriving of others. And if we don't understand that, it causes us to lose sight of who he is and what he has for us individually and as a church. This weekend, I was down in Philly doing a, a project with the Serve Tour. And as I'm out there, they had like 40 projects through the city of Philadelphia. It's with Sin Relief, an incredible disaster relief organization that we partner with. But they wanted to serve and show the love of Jesus. And so they asked me what kind of project I would prefer. And I said, whatever's most helpful to you. Because I know what that's like as a leader, right? It's like they're trying to be mindful of you. And I'm like, no, no, no. Just tell me, how can I serve? And they're like, we need you to come in and do this house project with these guys. And I'm like, all right, God, I'm not handy, but here I go. I can move some stuff. I can, I can do a couple things here. There. But anyways, thankfully, thankfully the project was me moving some things, helping rip up stuff. I can do that, right? Uh, that was good. But as I'm there, I'm in a conversation with one of the people working who's not part of a church, not a follower of Jesus, but works for a nonprofit in the city. And so we started talking, and we were talking about Philadelphia sports, Eagles, the, the, you know, the, the Phillies, then we started talking about the Sixers and the debacle of the Sixers, and, you know, we were talking all kinds of things, you know, and as we were talking, I just got a sense from the Spirit, I was just like, hey, man, what's your faith background? What's your faith story? And he started to share with me, he said, I used to be about Jesus, but then I found that Jesus and his church were, were too exclusive. And so I asked him to define for me what he meant by the word exclusive, because that means a lot of things to a lot of people. And so I just like, hey, I know what the word means in the dictionary, but what do you mean by that? And he just talked about how oftentimes the church has been notorious from not being a place where people are welcome to encounter and experience Jesus, no matter what their background is, no matter where they are. And I said to him, I said, you know, I think that a lot of times what happens is we don't read the whole scripture. We read different parts that we like. We cherry pick things. We do like the buffet thing. I like this. I don't like that. You know, so we don't have the whole vision of what the scriptures call us to. And we don't have a picture of Jesus. Like we make Jesus in our own image. And a lot of times what can happen is if we don't understand who he is, then we can miss the fact that he's for my flourishing and the flourishing of others. The boundary lines that he has for me are for my benefit and the benefit of others. Just like we don't want our sons running out in the streets, right? I mean, he's like, yes, never, never do I want my son running out in the street. You know, and, and so we were just talking. And as I was talking to him, it allowed me then to say to him, I, I don't think you're right. I don't think, I don't think you're wrong, excuse me, that the church has been guilty of that. But rather to understand that the church in the culture at large at times has been guilty of missing who Jesus truly is and what he has for us. And when we practice surrender, we can experience flourishing, not only for us, but for others as well. So the question for you is, will you fully surrender to Jesus? Will you fully surrender to all that he has for you? And then this leads us to the next part of this, which is part of this verse that we're going to be using throughout our time in this series, but also in this campaign. And it's found in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 11. And one of our elders, Drew Dolan, shared this with us. And I just found that so helpful as we think about what it is 
about a foundation and what we're building our life on. It says this, it says, by the grace God has given me, given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with what? What's the word here? With care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is? It's Jesus Christ. So he says, hey, listen, by the grace of God given to me, I'm, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. I looked at the master plan who was, it was given to me by the master builder, Jesus himself. And I'm building the way that he's building. I'm building as a wise builder. And someone, again, is, else is building on it. We're building on the foundation that was laid. But each of us should build with care. Because no one can lay, lay on the foundation beyond that which is Christ, the true foundation. And so it's our prayer, even in this series, as we're surrendering, and even in this season that we're in, Jesus, whatever's not of you, we want it to be done away with. We want it to be cast aside. We want to be about you and your ways. This is yours. We are yours. We are fully surrendered, Jesus. You are the foundation that we're building our lives on. And if you haven't put your trust and faith in Jesus, I want to invite you to do that today. To see him as I've seen him. To see him as the one who is the foundation of my life and also is the one that is for my flourishing. Because to have the right foundation makes all the difference not only in our lives but also when it comes to our homes, right? I mean, we, we don't want a shaky foundation in our homes, right? right? That's, that's a problem, right? <laughs> that's why they want it level. That's why they want to do it right. They want to make sure that the foundation is solid, that it's solid, that it's built upon the right materials and stuff. In the same way in our lives, Jesus is the foundation. He's the one that we're to build our lives on. He's the one that we're to build what it is that he's calling us to as a church on as well. Well, as we continue on here, I want to just note that I think it's important as we think about success and as we think about following Jesus to what he has for us, and it's simply this, that obedience is our job and the outcome is God's. Obedience, obedience is our job and the outcome is God's. And this is so important for us not to miss because when we fully surrender, we already, as I said early on, we're already a success. But what can be tricky is we're trying to take control for something that God's control of, which is outcomes. I'm not in control of outcomes, just obedience. What is he asking me to do? How is he asking me to do it? And that's hard for a guy that likes outcomes, who likes results, <laughs> who likes to make things happen. But I'm not ultimately respond for that, responsible for that, and that has been helpful to me. So here's a question. What part are you playing? Are you, are you playing the obedience part, or are you trying to play the outcome part? And again, obedience says, I'm going to do exactly what you're asking me to do. It doesn't mean that we don't have a part to play. It's just knowing our role, right? In football, they always say, know your role. <laughs> know your role. Let's say that out loud together. Know your role. Know your role. Know your role, right? And if you're comfortable, turn to your neighbor and tell them, know your role. Know your role. And so as we think about this, I want to give you a couple of things that are going to be key to going forward in this time together. One is 40 days of prayer and fasting. 
and we're working through the material for that. We're, we're getting that stuff together. Uh, you know, we came off the prayer vigil, so it's been, uh, we just need a little bit more time to get that stuff organized, but that's coming. That's coming. That doesn't mean that you couldn't start, start praying and fasting right now <laughs> before the material is there, but we, we want to emphasize this. So we promise more information is coming out regarding that. The other part is community groups. I want to encourage you. A lot of what we said today about really the questions that we have, the things that we're wrestling with, we're not actually meant to carry those things alone. We're meant to, to carry them with others. And I just want to encourage you, if you're not in a community group or you don't have a group that you're sharing life with, I want to thank Pastor Chris for his leadership in this area to ensure that we have a space for you. And it's not the only space for that to happen, but it's one of our main arteries of our church for it to take place. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of a community group. There's um, all kinds of ways that you can find out about the groups. There's stuff on your seat as well, which lists out all the, the groups. There's a QR code, all those things. Listen, I want to encourage you to prayerfully consider about what group you can be a part of to engage in community so we don't do life alone. We want to share in life with others. We want to be encouraged. We want to be known. We want to live this sent out life that Jesus has for us. And then the other part of this is the all church banquet, which is Sunday, October 15th. I want to just say to you, we want you there. Anybody and everybody, we want you there. If you're like, I didn't get an invitation in the mail because we don't have your address. I want your address. We want your address. We want to get you an invitation. But consider this an invitation. We, we are working hard. We're going to have it catered in, the meal. We're going to have uh, child care. We're so grateful for our partners at Faith Church over in Truxertown. They're actually providing the child care for us because we believe in kingdom collaboration. And so they were willing and, dis and wanting to help in that way. And so we're grateful for their partnership. But listen, I want you to be a part of that because as we think about the surrender that Jesus has for us, part of it is us getting on the same page to what he's calling us to, but also he's going to ask of us something that's going to require each and every one of us to give from a place of surrender and sacrifice, to live this generous life. And that starts with me and Amy. We're praying and talking about that. What is God asking of us in this season? What does God have for us to give towards helping our new home become a reality? So I want you to be praying about that, thinking about that. But here's the thing. All church banquet, it will be an incredible time to cast vision, to be encouraged, to, to talk more about where it is we're going. And then we're going to have some other dates after that as well that will be next steps after the, the all church banquet. But I want to remind you about the site, which is, again, riverbendonline.org slash for the valley. If you have not checked out that site, please do me a favor. Do me a favor. Check it out. Read it through. If you have questions, thoughts, I want to hear that from you. We want to make sure, again, that we're all marching together towards all that Jesus has for us. It's an exciting time. It's an exciting time. And, and at the same time, it's okay if it's a bit scary because he's the one that gives us courage to follow what he's called us to. So let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for the evidence of your faithfulness over the years. We're grateful for your goodness, Lord. I'm thankful for the good work you've done here in your church. 
And so, Lord, I pray for anybody here today who's not a follower of you, Christ, that today would be the day that they would put their trust in you, Jesus. So, Lord, if they haven't yet done that and they have questions even, Lord, we welcome those questions. We know you're not afraid of those questions. We know um, they don't overwhelm you. Uh, you're not um, looking at our questions as something uh, that you're not only not afraid of, but is actually part of, you look at it as a part of the faith journey for us, God. So I just pray if they have questions that they would have the courage to ask, Lord, around what it means to follow you, as well as if we have questions about foundations for the valley, God. I just, Lord, I am excited, Lord. I'm excited for what you're going to do. I pray you give each and every one of us the courage to follow what you've called us to. I pray that even in the weeks to come, we would know that our surrender and our sacrifice isn't based on the amount of something that we give, but rather based on the place in which it comes from, God. So it's based off the, the surrender on our end, God. So Lord, I just pray that even for all of us, we would see the part that we have to play. Help us to be fully surrendered. Help us to be obedient. Help us to ask good questions, Lord. We're grateful for your faithfulness over the years and how you continue to work, Jesus. I thank you for the people of this church. I thank you that you saw fit uh, 14 years ago to let me be a part of it, God. It's a real honor, and I don't take it lightly. And it's not about me, it's about you. So thank you for how you've worked and how you continue to work. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.